Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with the Best Deal Ever Show. On today's episode, I am joined by Kara Beckman. Kara, how you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, glad to have you on. You know, we were just commiserating on the fact that you are in, you're in Scottsdale, right? Yes. And it's what, 75 degrees there right now? Probably perfect. I'm in a light sweater and I'm hot. <laughs> You're hot. Yeah. I'm in a flannel shirt and I'm like still freezing because it's like 35 <laughs> degrees in Atlanta right now. Yeah. We're not used to that. I don't know what that feels like. Yeah. Although it was funny. I was in Phoenix this summer. It was August actually. And it was almost unbearable. It was 117 degrees when I was out there. Uh, yeah. I don't know how you guys do those summers. It's hot for sure. It's a little for bit sure. brutal. Yeah. Now, so being in Scottsdale, I mean, you are in a hot real estate market right yeah. now, right? I mean, I feel like you guys have been booming for the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. So what is that like? So you're in the, you're in the fix and flip space? Yeah, so I primarily do fix and flips. And I've been accumulating more rental properties. And I plan to grow my rental property portfolio this coming year as well. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So are you, it's funny because I've got a handful of buddies that are in Phoenix right now and it feels like there's just a lot of competition. Are you feeling that in terms of acquiring properties to fix and flip or even to buy and hold? There's definitely a lot of competition, but I've never been worried about that. So when, when you start saying there's a lot of competition, I can't find deals, there's no deals to be had. I think you're putting on blinders and more than likely you're going to miss a deal that's sitting right in front of you because you're too scared to make the deal happen. So I haven't been afraid of that. I'm still not afraid of it. And I'm finding deals a lot. That's awesome. That's a very good attitude to have because a lot of people probably start freaking out. Where am I going to find my next deal? And I like right, the fact that right. you got confidence. They're, they're there to find. They absolutely are. So what's your strategy look like? What, how are you acquiring properties out there right now? So I have a few different strategies. Um, I get deals from wholesalers. I still find a lot of deals on the MLS and I'm turning good profits on the MLS. I always say, never be afraid to make an offer. You never know someone's situation and how low they're willing to go just to get rid of their house. So with that being said, I get a lot of deals on the MLS. I still find deals on Zillow, wholesalers, yep. and word of mouth. Wow, man, that's amazing. So most of the stuff you're getting on MLS is that stuff where maybe it's been out there for a little while and you're just making low ball offers and getting them? Sometimes, sometimes, yep. yeah. Um, on my newest rental property, so excited about this property. I found it on Zillow. It's in a neighborhood where I do a lot of my flips. And I thought this has a lot of potential and it doesn't need a full-fledged renovation. It needs a kitchen update, bathroom updates. So I, I, I know there will be less money going into the deal. Yeah. So I made an offer, 30,000 below ask. They just rejected it. They said, we're not coming down at all. So I said, no problem, I'm not coming up. Three weeks later, I saw it was still on the market. So I told my agent, let's put in, this, let's put in another offer. I did come up $6,000 on my asking, on my offer, yeah. but I asked for more seller concessions. So I asked for them to pay for my appraisal and to cover some of my closing costs and they accepted it. Are you serious? So even though someone says no at first, keep trying. If it's still on the market three weeks later, submit an, another offer. And I just got the appraisal on that house before we started construction. And the appraisal came in 70000 more than what I purchased it for. Are you serious? That's amazing. Yeah. And that was, on the, that was on Zillow. That's so they're crazy. still out there. Well, deals. it goes to show you that people's motivation changes and can change dramatically over a very short period of time. Yes. 
<laughs> even three weeks. <laughs> even three weeks. Yeah. That's crazy. So tell us how long you've been in the business and, and what's your volume like? So I've been in the business for two years. It will actually be two full years this month. Cool. And I've just purchased my 11th property. Awesome. And all of those for the most part up till now have been like fix and flips. I've done seven fix and flips and three rentals. Oh, very cool. And how, so how does the, how's the rental market look out there? Because, you know, it seems like it's, you're sort of not necessarily the top of the market, but it's definitely higher than it was. I mean, are you cash flowing pretty well right now in Phoenix? All of my rental properties do cash flow. The location is extremely important. I have a rental property near one of our biggest universities. So I'm, I constantly have tenants in there. And you also are going to make your deal even on a rental property when you're purchasing. So you need to buy low, especially if you plan to put some money in to do the improvements. Yeah. I also have a rental property near a, a very popular airport. So that rents very fast. And yeah. all of my rental properties do cash flow. Man, that's amazing. Well, yeah. And then and being near a university helps a ton. Are you putting students in those houses? Yeah. All are students. you? Really? with that property it was big enough to add a fourth bedroom it was originally a three bed two bath yep so i converted a very formal dining room into a fourth bedroom smart for our college kids they want a lot of room so i was able to ask more rent because of that as well so finding opportunities totally you know, that helps yeah and, and hack the house if you need to to fit the market exactly that's killer. And do you, so, you know, I'm always, I'm super intrigued with uh, student housing. I think student housing is, can be a boom for if you're in the right market. Do you do it by the bedroom then and get like parental guarantees and all that stuff? You know, I don't, I go through a property manager and I do want to have four tenants, but the past three years um, that I've had this particular rental property, because I, I purchased this rental property as I was still working my full-time job gotcha. before I went into real estate full-time. But for those properties, I rent it by the house. So gotcha. usually there's four friends that rent together. Let and them figure it out. Is responsible for paying the rent. I gotcha. Yeah, that's a killer. That's a killer strategy. Well, very cool. So over the last couple of years, you've been at this full time. It sounds like you've got the eleventh one under your belt. Out of those eleven, is there one that stands out as your best deal ever? Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. Tell me about it. Okay, so this deal was my first wholesale deal. So up until this point. I was purchasing off the MLS and word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So this wholesaler contacted me and this is, I, there might be a lot of wholesalers watching this. So what drew me to this deal? This wholesaler had emailed me a number of deals and I, they were, they weren't in areas that I knew they were far away and just didn't fit my criteria. I say yes to a lot of things, but I say no to more. Yeah. And the subject line on this deal was the zip code that I'm familiar with. So I could analyze this deal in under a minute. I just had a contract, a house under contract in the zip code, less than a mile north of this home. So I knew that the price per square foot he was asking was awesome. Wow. I knew that his uh, budget to renovate was off, but even with knowing that, um, I knew that his ARV, his after, renova after renovation value was also off. So I ended up selling it for a lot more than what he was projecting it to be. Which is, that's rarely the case. Usually wholesalers are going to inflate their ARV. He was actually low on the ARV. Right. That he never happens. He was low on the ARV and low on the renovation. Yeah, low on the renovation is pretty typical, but usually low on the AR, or high on the ARV is the other way. Right, right. Interesting. So this would just happen. You just knew the zip code. You knew your numbers. It came across your desk. And so what did that look like? Did you, had you ever worked with this wholesaler before? 
you know, I've never worked with him before. I had never worked with any wholesaler before. Okay. So I, it came through on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock at night. And I emailed him. I said, I'm interested in this property. And he said, okay, great. I'm showing it to a number of investors tomorrow, Sunday at one o'clock. So Sunday comes, I'm there. I know my numbers and I am so nervous for this deal because wholesale deals move fast. Oh yeah. Putting down a $10,000 non-refundable down payment for any reason. If you yeah. change your mind an hour later, sorry. Yep. So very nervous. So I walk through, there's probably seven other investors walking this property and I couldn't have an inspection. So my inspector wasn't there. The house smelled horrible. You could tell there were a lot of cats that had lived there. Yeah. Um, even when you open the slider, it was full of cat hair. Oh, yuck. It smelled bad. Uh, the pool was bad. Uh, we have a lot of stucco homes in yeah. Arizona, and stucco was just falling off. Um, there was clear water damage throughout the home on the roof, and it was a flat roof. So I knew there, were, there was money that had to be put into this renovation. Yeah. So we run the numbers. It makes total sense. And he said, okay, great. Do you want to sign? And I'm thinking, oh, it's just so fast. It was a 10-day close. And I was nervous. I was really nervous to do this. And he said, well, let's run the numbers again. So we run them again. And they make perfect sense. So I said, okay, let's do this. So give them, give them the check. And at this time, I still had no idea how I was going to fund this house fully. Sounds like a real estate investor. You're just gunslinging out there. You're like, put it in a contract. We'll figure it out after the fact. Exactly. I thought if nothing else, this deal makes so much sense. I have one under contract that's supposed to close in seven days. So it was cutting it really close. Yeah. Everything was going smooth on my first transaction. But if for any reason it didn't close, I thought, I don't know. I don't know what would happen, but I couldn't risk lose not doing this deal because it made so much sense. Now, were you competing against the other uh, investors that showed up? Did yes. you have to like bid it up or anything? No, there was one gentleman that was there and he's on the phone with someone walking around the pool. And it was basically whoever wrote the check first gets the house. And I knew it was between me and him. I mean, we yeah. were there the longest and uh, I said, yes. And then the wholesaler called me that night and he said, just so you know, that guy tried to buy it after you did. And you wow. got it. Wow. Yeah. So, you got, and that is the trick. You have to act quick. You know, there, I will say this for wholesalers too. It's a great strategy to do a showing where you get a lot of people there because it does sort of create the sense of urgency, right? Okay. I'm sure you felt it. And very competitive and I'm, you know, I want to win. And so what I think other people want that, yeah, it does give you this sense of urgency that you want to make the first call, but that's you have right. to be smart about it for sure. Yeah. So that's good. You, I mean, you kind of thought through it, you knew your numbers. So what did you end up putting it under contract for? So I ended up purchasing it for a 364.9 and he was estimating a $50,000 remodel. When I flip a house, I, I don't even necessarily love the term flipping because I put so much into the home. Yeah. Uh, I love the design of the house. And so I usually have a certain price per square foot that I know my renovations will cost me. Yeah. So I was estimating this renovation to cost me about $85,000. Okay. With that renovation, I knew that I could ask for the highest comp, which I just had under contract on my last house that was in this same zip code. Oh, was, this, was it close? Like neighborhood or just kind of... Uh, was it was uh, just one neighborhood north of this. Okay. Yeah. So you yeah. totally knew your numbers on your other house. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. And so uh, how did you end up funding this deal when it was all said and done? So thankfully the, the house before it did close successfully. So I was able to pull that money out and fund this with cash. Oh, nice. Oh, very cool. So 
Perfect. So you're kind of flipping cash from one house to the next. And it just happened that this lined up perfect for you. Exactly. Exactly. So every profit I have, I'm compounding it, compounding it, turning it into my next property. Are you using any sort of private lenders or hard money? Or are you just using your own cash right now? No, no, I definitely use private money lenders, especially for a scenario like this. So if I couldn't fund this house with cash, I'd have to bring in private money lenders. I have uh, two local private money lenders who will lend me on a much lower interest rate than my hard money lender. Yeah. And then when I'm using a lot of private money on different deals, I will fund it with hard money as well. Gotcha. Yeah. So I've done a few deals with hard money, private money. And when I was working full time, I was able to flip them with conventional loans. Oh, wow. Really? Kind of missed that. But. Uh, yeah. The only thing of the conventional loans is they don't usually give you money for the repairs. So they, maybe they buy oh. the house and then you're out of pocket for the repairs. Right. right. And they don't love it if you, uh, if, if you turn around and sell it within the first six months. I'm sure you got some pushback. Yeah, I didn't know that at first. I sold <laughs> and then my lender called me. He's like, I didn't know you were flipping this house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have a mortgage company ourselves actually. And it's funny, we'll like make people promise us, do not sell it in the first six months. And inevitably some of them do, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so okay, so you estimated 85,000 in repairs. What did yeah. you end up spending and what sort of repairs did you guys do? So it was a full-fledged renovation, a full gut job. I opened up walls, um, put in structural beams, new flooring, new designer tile. I did do a full new pool plaster, pool tile. I did smooth stucco wow. on the exterior. This was a full-fledged, yeah. beautiful remodel. And yeah. um, I came right in at, at budget. I was just, I think I ended up spending about $86,000 on this renovation. Dude, but that's phenomenal. I, I have a lot of spreadsheets that I use. So for every house that I'm remodeling, my spreadsheets are constantly updated. So I'm very, very tight on my budgets. Smart. And you build in some contingency in your, in your spreadsheets? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. So this one needed a new rolled roof because it's a flat roof. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And, and I knew there was water damage. I knew there were things that we were going to have to address. So, right. yeah. So $86,000, which puts you, what, what were you all in and then on this house? So all in, I was at, um, it's actually my, my renovation cost was 85,615. So that's exactly what $615 <laughs> over budget. Yeah. That's phenomenal. That's actually fantastic. Thank you. And then and you're the all in 364, nine, 364, nine. I got you. So you are all in at, I can't do my math that fast. 70, 64 is mid fours. Somewhere in there, call it. Yeah. I don't have to pull my calculator out and figure it out. <laughs> we'll just say mid fours. And this is one that you were planning on flipping? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so how did that all shake out? How long was the renovation? And then what'd you do? Throw it on the MLS? So this is amazing. So I have a great crew. I run a tight ship. Um, but we completed this house, the full renovation, just under six weeks. No way. The house went under contract in three days. Full ask. I was blown away, so happy. And um, then the appraisal comes in. Yeah. Then $25,000 under ask. Ooh. That's not right. Yeah. I mean, I know these numbers. The house is great. We have comps to support our asking price. And so we're going back and forth with this appraiser. And he said, no, that's what it is. It's 25,000 below, you know, what these new buyers are willing to pay. And I asked the buyers if they could come up, they wouldn't. So we canceled the deal. Five days into the house being on the market, I did have another offer come in again at full ask. 
And since we had that second offer, I was more comfortable with letting go of the first offer. Yep. Her appraiser came in and appraised it at full ask. So that's so tough because you can know your numbers, you can have a beautiful renovation and sometimes it's left up to the appraiser. Yep. In this case, it worked out well because, you know, I took the risk of letting go of the first deal, not knowing what the other appraiser would say, but luckily, luckily um, it did appraise full ask. You, this is such an interesting point because I, we run into this all the time and it's always this decision point. Okay. They got a low appraisal. They're not going to come up. What do we do? Do we, do we drop our price? And if like, if it's only been on the market three days and you believe that it's worth that, I would tell the, that first buyer, go find another lender because there's a really good chance you get another appraiser out there and they, it could come in. And if not, then walk and wait for the next one, which is what you did. And right. two days later, you made an extra $25,000. Yeah. Right. That's a huge profit alone. $25,000. Yeah, represents a ton. So, well, what did you end up asking? So you were all in at about four fifty. What did you end up asking? So we asked five sixty nine nine. Wow. Killer. And you got it. We got it. And this was your cash. So you didn't really even have, and you're only in it for like six weeks. So you didn't have much carrying cost. So the best part. So from the, from the day I purchased through the renovation to the day it closed, it was one day shy of three months. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Cause that's a massive renovation, $86,000 renovation and you're in and out in less than 90 days. That's amazing. Yes. You must have some killer crews or you're just like whipping them the whole time. Something that's amazing. <laughs> only a velvet hammer. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You're whipping them into shape, keeping them on task for, for that yeah. size of a renovation. For sure. So yeah. So you, so you cleared a net at the end of the day, what'd you end up netting after commissions and closing costs and whatnot? So after commissions, closing costs, I ended up making $89,000, 132. That's phenomenal in less than 90 days. Yeah. That, and what year was that? Was that in the last year or two? This was four months ago. Oh really? Yeah, oh this man. Happened. Yeah. Dude. And again, and what I feel like is what I've heard is a competitive market. You bought from a wholesaler and made 90,000 bucks. That's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Good for you. Okay, so let me ask you this. So there's, you know, there's folks listening to the story right now and if you weren't doing anything crazy in terms of how to acquire off market this and that, you went through a wholesaler, mm -hmm. you had your stuff, you know, your, obviously your cruise and your rehab numbers on point, but you sold it traditionally. What sort of advice would you give somebody that wants to get into this game and they want to, the, the path of least resistance, but to still make a good, a, a good chunk of change at the end of the project? What, what advice would you give somebody? I would definitely say know your neighborhood. Um, this goes back to this wholesaler. Now we've done a few deals together. And, but before he was sending me deals in neighborhoods I was not familiar with. And, and there's no guarantee I could have turned these numbers in an area that I don't know. So I would say know your neighborhood. I would also say it's okay to start small. You know, this was a bigger renovation, yeah. but you can still make great cash on cash return on smaller properties yeah. and know your neighborhood, know the style that you want to renovate. More importantly, know your numbers, especially if you're going to be working with a wholesaler. Yeah. Well, the other thing, it sounds like to me that you focus on high-end finishes. You know, a lot of investors want to get in and out with as little amount of money as possible. Right. What's your philosophy on that? I think 
I, for all of my homes, I truly want someone to walk in to the house and feel like they could live here. Yeah. I want it to be special. Every property that I've renovated, it's a property I would feel comfortable living in. Yeah. I love to have designer touches. And I think you can absolutely do that on a budget. And at the end of the day, budget is very important. We're flipping houses. So we are trying to turn profits, but you can do it in a way that's smart. So kitchens are a great way to spend money. So yep. maybe you do a beautiful kitchen backsplash and then you scale back on your hall bathroom tile. I also love to do inexpensive tile and do a twist on layout or a tile layout or creating a pattern with that. So there's ways to kind of stretch the dollar and yeah. you really know the difference. Yeah. A lot of custom things too. So I've been doing these custom kitchen hoods. So it looks very expensive, very luxurious, but it's much, it's much more inexpensive than purchasing a beautifully done hood because we're making it on site with my contractors. So we do the exact same thing with our vent hoods. I mean, you can save a ton of money if you've got a decent carpenter to build one for yes. you. Yes. So things totally. like that are fun because it looks like it. I mean, you're creating value. It's something that no one has. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, and, and you know, if you're focusing on like a specific area, maybe even a couple of neighborhoods, you start to develop a reputation, especially if your finishes are really good. Do you feel like some of the folks in the area are starting to recognize your flips specifically? Yeah. People will send them to me and they're driving by and they'll, they'll say, did you do this house? And I have a Starbucks barista and his wife follows me now on Instagram. Yeah. And she'll, she'll say certain things like, Oh, that looks like a Beckman house. So that's pretty cool. Very so, cool. Yeah. That is, that's a great way to grow a business, especially if you're focused on one area is just build a reputation. Right. Right. Very cool. Well, Kara, this was awesome. Talk about a great flip. I mean, in a, in a competitive market this year to turn $90,000 in 90 days is fantastic. So kudos to you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, take care. Hey friends, let's talk for just a minute about the market we're in right now. It's tough, right? Deals are hard to come by. The last thing you need is trouble funding a deal once you've done the hard work to source it. Trust me, I get it. I've been at this for 16 years and financing deals is often a huge pain in the rear. So I decided to solve the problem. I launched Red Capital Lending for real estate investors like me and probably like you. The days of paying 12% interest are over. And if it's taking more than a week for your lender to close, you're using the wrong lender. We've built Red Capital Lending for the sole purpose of providing the lowest cost of investment capital possible. I'm talking about interest rates in the sevens. With the highest level of customer service and with the fastest turnarounds, our goal is to provide funding within five days. If you've got a deal coming up and you're ready to save money and avoid the typical hassles associated with most lenders, take a minute and just submit your deal at redcapitallending.com. We'd love to work with you and show you just how easy it can be to fund your next project. Again, redcapitallending.com. Okay, so let's get back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. All right, Kara, I wanna hear about your worst deal ever. All right, well, my worst deal ever was actually the first deal that I did right after quitting my day job. Oh, wow. Submerged into this real estate investing career I'm so excited about. And this is my first deal on hard money. For those of you who oh, don't yeah. know, it's you know more expensive to use. And usually it's a tighter time frame. So on this hard money deal, I had to pay back my full loan in eight months. So this is no problem. You know, oh, wow. you can do this. Yeah. The clock's ticking though, day one. 
exactly. Clock is ticking. So everything's going smooth. We're doing demo. This is my first partial edition. So we enclosed a Arizona room, which is basically a covered patio. Okay. And we're going to make this into a new master suite. So all of those exterior walls are removed. We bring in new concrete, start putting up new framing, start the electrical. And then we get shut down. Oh no. So I was under the impression my contractor pulled all of the correct permits. Turns out no permits were pulled. Ooh, ooh, that's bad. That's bad news. So bad. We were shut down for four weeks while this is resolved. Four weeks is so much money when you're using hard money. And, and not only is it a lot of money, but we had just started the rehab. So we're starting to put everything back together, but we have so much work ahead of us. So then we had to, once the city's in, we had to remove the brand new concrete, remove the framing, remove the electrical. So all of this money is just adding up and adding up. And um, I was going to be happy if I even broke even on this property yeah, at, yeah. at this point in time. Um, what did you pay for this thing? Uh, this, I paid 281. This was in Phoenix, Arizona. Yep, 281 in Phoenix. And what was, the, what was your renovation budget? The renovation budget on this was just under 90,000. Okay. This home was also a 1955 house. So it was a much older house than I'm used to renovating. A lot of my renovations are in the eighties. Yeah. So yeah. the wiring was old, the plumbing was old. It was just a lot more in depth yeah. than what it was used to doing. Yeah. And um, so finally we got back on track. We got all of the permits pulled, had to rebuild everything. And now I think it's smooth sailing. So I did these beautiful polished concrete floors. This was more of a modern remodel, kind of cool, cool the neighborhood. Yeah. And we have our first inspection for the buyer. So it's under contract. Everything's going good. And the inspector, at the very end of his inspection, he says to the potential new buyer, oh, I think there's a subterranean leak. You're going to have to rip up all of these brand new concrete floors, the brand new tile in the bathroom, and it's going to go all the way through the house. Oh my gosh. And I'm thinking, why would you say this if you don't know what, what it really is? That's so a classic inspector, like to go to the worst yes. scenario possible, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. So the buyer cancels the contract because sure. he's like, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah. It turns out it was a sprinkler timer. It was a, it was a leak in a sprinkler timer in the front yard that was turning, it, the water valve was turning when he had the water shut off. So the inspector goes, worst case scenario, thinks it's a subterranean leak. Turns out it was a landscaping valve. Come on. You know, so back you, on the market. You, let me just chime in there because yeah, I've had more than one inspector pull crap like this that just ruins a deal. Yeah. The first thing you do when that happens is you call up that inspector, especially if you know that he's wrong, that he's thrown some bad information out there, is you call up that inspector and say, send over your E&O policy because okay. you're wrong. And the second they feel like they're gonna get a claim because they said something, everything changes. Their demeanor will change, they'll go back and revisit it, and I've had it save deals before. Oh, that is so good to know. Yep. Okay, yep. I'll so use that next, next time. time. Well, yeah, so sure. well, let me ask you this, because it ended up being obviously a bigger rehab, then what did you end up landing on in terms of rehab? More than um, 90? On that one, no, we ended up probably a little bit more, more than 90 on that one. Okay. Yeah. You had to tear out some of your original work, it sounds like. We did, but, um, but I had to go back to the contractor and say, look, I'm not, I don't think it's fair for me to cover all of this. You know, That's you didn't true. pull the permits in the beginning. So That's it was true. 
yeah. back and forth with the contractor and I. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we ended that project on a good note, and um, you know we both moved forward. But yeah, that that was challenging. That was yeah. real challenging because a lot of these things would have been caught earlier on yeah. had those permits been pulled. Good so, for you though. Good for you, man. Stick it to the contractor. He didn't pull those permits, man. Yeah, yeah. Hold them accountable. Exactly. So now I pull my my own permits, or I'll go to the city with my contractor because yeah. it's good. It's good to have that knowledge um, and have totally. FaceTime with the city. So yeah, totally. Not make sure that permits are pulled when they're needed to be. Totally. Yeah, yeah. It's not worth messing around. You got to pull your dang permits. Yeah. So so you lost the first deal. Then what happened? You get another offer. So it's on the it's on uh, the market for a while. It's sitting. It's summer, which summer in Arizona is not the best time. So we're yes. still picking. You know, I'm getting letters from my hard money lender saying, if you don't pay this loan back, this is month seven. So if you don't pay this month, this loan back in a month, they sent me a fine if I didn't pay it back for thirty two thousand dollars if I didn't Come pay this on. back in time. What the pressure is through the roof. What's the fine? I don't understand. That's for 32,000. How do you even justify that? It's just a whole bunch of points or something? It must have been just a whole bunch of points. It was my first hard money deal. So I'm just freaking out. You Either know, that or they send Tony after you with a, a baseball bat, apparently. Exactly. That might be better than... Right, than 32,000. <laughs> so luckily, it got under contract and it closed just two weeks shy of the eight-month period. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Usually a hard money lender at least says, hey, look, we can renew for another three months. It'll cost you a point of, you know, or something like that to re-up. But friggin' $32,000, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. It was a scary letter to get in the mail, for sure. So you're sweating it. Like, how am oh, I going to get this thing sold? And so did you, at the end of the day, did it sell for, did you end up making any money on it or? I ended up making $16,000 on that property. And I was so thankful for that because again, I would have been happy to break even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about when you run into like a stop work and all of a sudden the project stops, especially if you've got hard money because that clock is ticking and it is costing you real dollars every day that you can't get this thing sold. Exactly. Real so, dollars that you won't necessarily get back. Oh, know? they're gone. Oh yeah. So, right. Absolutely. That's a humdinger, man. Stop work's never fun. So no. <laughs> I was like, can we at least bring the cabinet guy in? Can he work? They're like, no, right. nobody can work. <laughs> right. At least let me get some stuff done while you figure it out on, on your side. Exactly. But you know, if you, it's funny, if they're probably more likely to be a little lenient if like you'd pulled the wrong permit. But if you try to get away with no permits, they're going to throw the book at you. There's no leniency then. Right. Oh, and we have so. so many things. I mean, we were moving toilets across bathrooms. We were saw cutting plumbing in oh, the yeah. kitchen. We were opening up exterior walls. There were so many things that truly needed permits and that I really was under the impression that were pulled. You know, it was on our contract and I paid the contractor to pull permits. Sure. So yeah, that yeah. that's totally on the contractor. So good for you that you stuck it to him. Well, this was a good one, Kara. Thanks so much for coming on the worst deal ever. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Take care. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the best deal ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, 
we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.